Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast this week. This week, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. A, to get a little bit more clarity, but B, also to have tips for myself and provide really great tips for anybody out there who is struggling with menstrual pain or chronic pain of any sorts. We have a special guest this week who is a chronic pain specialist, who is an osteopathic doctor, and who really has used movement as her medicine to heal her own chronic pain, as well as coach so many other women and people out there in the world on how they can live pain-free-ish in their lives. I guess we're going to dive into that a bit more. We'll dive into that. (laughs) If it's totally pain-free or if it's just (laughs) better life. We're going to get into that conversation. So I am so excited to invite Colleen Jorgensen on the podcast today. She is, like I said, an osteopathic doctor, a graduate of Pain Care U Professional Pain Care Programs, (laughs) and a therapeutic Pilates, yoga, and somatic teacher. She lays claim to the fact that she started dancing at the age of three, and she has not stopped moving her body since. So her big thing and what she's most well known for is combining manual therapy, current neuroscience research and polyvagal therapy or theory, sorry, with creative embodiment, movement, mindfulness, awareness, and a distinctive compassionate approach to pain care. She is someone who was living with chronic pain for over a decade that gave her a very invaluable perspective on day-to-day challenges for those who face pain. In 2020, her desire was to empower more people with this knowledge, create awareness, and provide practical tools to inspire people to live pain-free, which was the creation of her Dare to Heal program, which we're going to learn all about today as well. So, Welcome, Colleen. I am so excited to have you here because I know that I've worked with so many women and there's so many women I have not met that still are struggling with this question of how can I reduce my menstrual pain? And I think this really goes to the heart of so many women going, I just can't wait for this to be done. I cannot wait to go through menopause so I never have to feel this again. Yeah, never have to do it again. Absolutely. Versus having someone who can give you resources of going, these are ways that we can deal with pain. And this is what the body's trying to actually tell us when it's giving those pain signals. And I think it's so empowering that once we find that we have these tools, that we can stop hating or begrudging our body and actually come into a relationship with it where we feel like there's so much power there. And then we really get curious. And then we want our period to stay longer. And then we understand the value of why we want this period to be there throughout our life as long as possible because the longer we have bleed cycles the healthier we are in our older years with longevity and I think that's a big piece that's lost in communicating to women why we want to be cyclical why we want to have this cycle and avoid menopause for as long as we can it is a natural process it will happen but it stop wishing for it at 33 (laughs) 
<laughs> or 23 <laughs> or 23 <laughs> or even 13 for some but yes a lot you said oh. you said a lot of in there that had a lot of wisdom to it so I look forward to diving in I do yes. want to by one thing Kate just to be be sure I'm a, I'm an osteopath but in Canada it's not an osteopathic doctor so just to be clear that I'm a manual osteopath uh, in the states it's a medical doctor but I am not a medical doctor I just want your your listeners to to be clear on that Okay. And that's really interesting because that leads into a story of how I came across osteopathic practices, I guess, is that I seen that it was on my healthcare benefits that I was paying for potentially a reimbursement of $500 a year (laughs) for this thing that I'd never heard of. And at the time I was like, I'm open to anything. Like I was already doing acupuncture. I did all these things in order to heal my body for my fertility And then during pregnancy, when I discovered this, I was like, well, what is this? I have no idea. And where I lived, there was only one practitioner here in the city. um, And she did her training. I believe it was like in Europe somewhere. And she had a really strong French accent. And so I remember asking her like, what exactly is this? And I could not understand what it was. And I was like, (laughs) okay, well, we're here. Let's give this a try. And I walked out and I was like, I don't know what just happened. I don't even know what she did, but that felt amazing. That's and then the reaction. Yeah. And then from there, after each pregnancy, I would go back for my postpartum healing, but I'd also take my babies there. Yeah. One of my favorite things to work on is the babies. Yes. Because there was so much, well, she said there was so much value. I was like, sure. You sold me on my body. So <laughs> why not <laughs> help me figure this out? And so, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's this practice that I've truly enjoyed and has been part of my holistic um, program I create for myself, but I really don't know what it is. So do you want to shed some light on what it is? I will do my best to shed. It's one of those things that it's, it's better to experience it than to hear it described because it's hard to describe, but I will do my very best. I've been practicing as an osteopath for 25 years and I still have trouble explaining it, but here we go. So one of the main things I think in osteopathy is that we look at how all the systems interrelate with each other how it all reacts together. There is no one thing in the body that acts independently, not not a single structure that acts independently. So we're really looking at how is it all working together? And instead of looking at what's wrong and how can I fix it, we're looking at what's working in your body and how can I enhance that, which is a very different perspective. So I think one of the biggest challenges, but one of the beauties of osteopathy is to not get tunnel visioned about somebody's symptom. And that's what people come for, right? They come to you usually because they have a complaint of a, of a symptom or symptoms. And it's very easy to get pulled into that thing that they want you to look at only that. But as an osteopath, we take a much broader perspective and we're really looking at the whole person, not only how do all the systems work together mechanically and physiologically, but what about you as a person? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Do you have healthy relationships? How are you interacting with the environment? And on and on. So everything about the person and how can we get it all to work together better? And and mostly with osteopathy, it's through manual practice. So we, we do hands-on work. Mm-hmm. So that's in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and that totally makes sense. And it, it flows with so much what I have been trained as well as a yoga therapist is yes. always looking at there's no system that's independent, exactly. which when I went, when I decided to go back to school to become a yoga therapist, it was because I went through my fertility journey. I healed my body and I wanted to understand what I did. <laughs> Essentially, it, that's what it came down to is like, I feel good. My cycles are better. How do I recreate How do this experience? 
And how do I do this for others? And so I went back in with the idea that I become a yoga therapist specializing in fertility. But the thing that I learned was that you can't separate fertility from menstrual health. Menstrual or, health, or from anything else, or from general health and well-being, right? Yes, if something that's something that I've learned through my osteopathic practice that I that really serves me in so many ways is that if there's anything that's not optimal in the body, whether that's a a mechanical thing like a muscle that's too tight, or a postural adaptation, or an organ that's not functioning optimally, that has the potential to affect every single other part of of you <laughs> and that is in a positive way and a negative way so if something's not working optimally it has the it has the potential to affect things in a negative way but the good news is that if we can work with all the things that are not working optimally as soon as you get one thing to shift that has the potential to shift everything else the entire person so whether they have a fertility issue or a ligament issue or migraines it doesn't really matter in a sense because it's all that one person and we just want to make the whole person feel better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one thing I really discovered with working with both fertility clients and with clients that just have menstrual issues that yeah. want some resolution is that like as a yoga therapist, I incorporate movement, I incorporate mindset and curiosity but one of the other big elements is how are we living every day to support the shifts that we're feeling in our body? So yeah. I'll give you these tools, but then I also want you to think about how can I restructure rather than only operating this one way every day for my whole life, how can I actually be more cyclical? How can I actually shift my expectations, tune into my desires tune into my cravings, like all of it as a whole. So like listening to you talk about osteopath as being like this, this form of, of practice where we look at all, not only all systems in the body, but also your patterns outside of like symptoms, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how are you sleeping? You know, what is your emotional states? All of those things play in, which is so fascinating and so cool. I love it. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is like... I'm I'm really excited because this is what I'm seeing more people being curious about yes. in the world. Like it's one of those things where the science is catching up to what a lot of disciplines have been doing for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. But now we've we're getting the science to back it up. So more people are are believing that it does work. It's not. It was considered woo woo when, when I started osteopathy. People used to say, "Oh, you're doing that voodoo thing." <laughs> no, yeah. it's really it's really strongly based in science. But you know, at the time, it seemed too good to be true that you could treat someone's head and their foot gets better. You know, so mm-hmm. now we're understanding why the why that can be because of all the interrelations. We're seeing how it all works together, and and so I find it a very exciting time to be working with people because of all that's coming out in the research now. Mm-hmm. So when you, and I don't know if you can answer this, but <laughs> this might be a hard question to answer. So when you look at women that are coming to you that are saying, listen, I'm in, I have painful periods or I have endometriosis. Like I just cannot tolerate that few days before my period or during my bleed days. What are some things that you see as common patterns in yeah. the body? 
So I appreciate the way you frame that. So, so that we understand, we already talked about the fact that everything is interconnected. So there isn't one recipe that's going to work for everyone. And of course, I'm always going to look at the whole person. Having said that, there are certain, I'll say, biomechanical patterns that I do frequently see. So, so let's talk about those. So for period pain in particular, a couple of the commonalities that I see is that sometimes the walls of the uterus remain thick. So just like, just like your upper trap can get tight and then you have that sore neck that you want to knead into with your hand after working on the computer all day, that can happen after our cycle. Now it's supposed to come back down to a normal width, but sometimes it doesn't. So for some people, it stays a little thicker and that can just put a little bit of extra tension on the lower back, on the abdomen, on the intestines, on the pelvis, but it's not quite as easy as putting your hand on your upper trap because it's an internal organ, right? So there are there are things that we do as an osteopath to work on the, wa- the muscle walls themselves. That's one thing. But then we also have a lot of ligaments that attach the uterus to the, the lower back and pelvis. So we have some that attach the uterus directly to the sacrum. So if you can picture, so if you picture the, the sacrum, which is that triangular bone at the base of the spine, and then imagine the uterus, let's just call it like a ball for, for argument's sake right now, that's lying right on right in front of it. In a perfect world, we want that ball to be able to roll up, down, right, left, rotate, and turn clockwise, counterclockwise. But if the ligaments are a little tight, which sometimes people just have tighter ligaments and they were born that way, some people it changes with their cycle, by trying to get more slide and glide between the uterus and the sacrum, it gives them more freedom of movement and usually a sense of ease in the muscles and the joints around the sacroiliac joints, the lower back, the pelvis, the hips. Then we have, and this is one of the more fascinating um, parts of the uterus I find, is what we call the broad ligaments. So normally most of the ligaments in the body are kind of thin and they, they look almost like a almost like a string or a band. But the broad ligaments, if you could picture again your uterus kind of like a ball, And then on either side, it's like a big butterfly wing, like really large. That's why it's called the broad ligament. And each side of the uterus connects to the entire inner bowl of the bony pelvis. So just imagine for a moment if one side is tighter than the other, or if both sides get really tight at certain times in your cycle. So that's going to change how your pelvis is able to articulate with your hips, with your intestines, with your lumbar spine. So it just has the ability to change a lot of things. And by creating a little more slide and glide through some manual treatment, through breath work, through some movement, we can really create more movement there, which gives a greater sense of ease. I think we often forget that the pelvis itself, it's not like how our foot is connected to the ankle that's connected to the leg, but like there's all these like it's almost like, I always think of like the connects where the little straight yes. pieces, yeah, like, yeah, a, good, good, yeah, good visual. like Legos, right? Yeah, like yeah. everything's connected. And we forget that the pelvis is this like floating device that the torso sits on top and these legs connect into, but we have to have all these ligaments and tissues to keep them. Otherwise, like our body would literally just flop over top onto our legs. Like we wouldn't be able to stand straight up. And so when those things are tight and rigid or have poor circulation, how that in itself can pull everything out of whack. Absolutely. And the poor circulation piece is really key. It's one of my favorite quotes by the founder of osteopathy, Dr. Andrew Taylor Still. He said that, show me the moment circulation was compromised 
and I'll show you the moment disease began. Meaning that any area that's not getting proper blood flow is going to have an issue. And we tend to think of our bodies as musculoskeletal or muscle bones. And now we talk a lot about fascia. We are those things, yes. But in between and running through all those um, ligaments, fascia, muscle, are these little accessory vessels that are delivering oxygenated blood to everything. So as soon as you have that lack of slide and glide in whatever tissue, now you're also putting compression on those, on those vessels that are delivering oxygenated blood. So that's a really big piece. Two more pieces. Is it okay if I dive in or do you have more questions yeah. before we go? Okay. The psoas muscles are quite key. So if you try to picture the inside, so you talk nicely about how the, the pelvis is all held together on the outside, but then we have to remember that the pelvis is a container for not just the uterus, but the bladder, the ovaries, the intestines, the kidneys are a little higher up, but it all works together and it's all sitting in that same place. So if one thing shifts, it affects all of it, right? It affects everything in that container. So we have to keep that in mind. And the psoas muscles tend to be another one of those commonalities that we see when people have endometriosis or poly, polycystic ovaries or the period pain that they tend to be, um, I don't even like to call them tight. I, I would say that in my hands, it feels like they're dehydrated. And so a lot of people, they're, um, they're, they're, I can't think of the word, what they crave to do is to stretch their hip flexors. And it might feel good in the moment, but it either doesn't change anything, or sometimes it even makes them feel worse after there's this rebound after. And we'll see that when we have this dehydration in the psoas. So one of the things that I like to teach people to do is how to first hydrate their psoas before they try to stretch or strengthen them. Now, there are some manual techniques that I can do for that, but there are also, there, there are two really great um, easy exercises that I love to give people. I know this is audio. Do you want me to try to explain them? Because they're, they're fairly simple. If you want to try, sure. Yeah, I think because so, they, they offer a lot of value. So imagine yourself just lying on your back, both knees bent, feet on the floor, knees pointing towards the sky. You can do it with nothing under your pelvis or to get the most bang out of your buck, I like to use a deflated ball right underneath the sacrum. So either way is fine. And then you just want to, it's a very small, subtle movement. It's like you're just lengthening through one femur at a time. So it's like one thigh gets longer and when it comes back, the other thigh gets longer. And basically what we're doing is we're pumping the psoas muscles. And it's a really beautiful way of creating some hydration and creating some slide and glide in that area. Now, because the psoas muscles are really connected to the pelvic floor muscles, I then invite people to come into a butterfly position. So you're still on your back, open the knees to the side, the, the soles of the feet are together like a prayer, and you still do that same thing. It's a little bit harder to, um, to get it in your brain because we're on a bit of an angle that we're not used to. But again, you lengthen. So now you're lengthening on a diagonal through each femur. And now we're just getting at different fibers of the psoas. It is an, a, a fantastic way of getting some relief when you're in that, in that period pain or when you have that endometriosis type pain or, mm -hmm. or um, intestinal issues as well. It really works very well. I'm interested. Well, first, before I go into what I'm interested about, these exercises, these actions, if someone's like, okay, I need a visual here, yes. do you can people do this with you online? Or is there an option of that this is part of one of your courses where they can learn these exercises? Yeah, great question. So it's one of those ones. It is in, I have, and I wish I could remember the name of it right now. I'll give you the link after to include in the show notes. Okay. 
I do have a full class with balls on my YouTube channel and it's in there, but I do keep meaning to just pull out that one thing. So this will be a good reminder for me to get that done in the next week or two. And then I'll give you the link to that as well. So that will be available awesome. soon. And I call it the Sois Taffy. So you can look out for the Sois Taffy. I'll try to get it in my link in bio within the next two weeks. Okay. Awesome. So anyone that's listening to this, this is where you go for this information. Sois Taffy exercise. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then you had mentioned when you were talking there about like how everything kind of sits in it that we have, like we have our uterus, but we also have like our bladder and we also have our bowels. Yes. About the word for a minute. <laughs> we have our bowels. Me. Yes. We have our bowels in there. And so I'm curious and I'm, I'm sure I already know the answer to this because this is what you keep telling us is that IBS then irritable bowel syndrome probably plays a little bit into if we also are having menstrual conditions then too, because everything is linked. Yeah. So this is a loaded topic. I don't even love the, the irritable bowel syndrome is basically just describing the symptoms you've come in with. <laughs> you know, you've come because your bowels are irritated and we tell you, oh, well, it's because you have irritable bowel syndrome. It's not a very specific diagnosis. Um, but we definitely see that correlation that people who have endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, period pain, there's almost always a correlation with either constipation, diarrhea, bloating, or any combination thereof. Again, that work with the psoas is really, really helpful. All the things I talked about already are really, really helpful. There are certainly nutritional things. So look, I'm not a nutritional specialist. I'll, I'll make that clear. But because it's such a big piece, I, I have done some research and taken some courses to be able to give people some, some just general um, instructions. You know, one of the things that I think we all have a challenge with is the cravings that we have at that time of the month, right? And we're not usually the craving the things that are helpful for us, right? So trying to reduce the sugar, the alcohol, the caffeine, those are the three big ones at that time of the month can make a huge difference because they're inflammatory and it's already an inflammatory process going on. So anything that we can do to reduce that inflammation is going to be helpful. So those are the big three that I, I get people to try to um, reduce. And then at the same time, what can you add in that is helping to give more nutrients to your system? So making sure they're staying hydrated, maybe adding some leafy greens, making sure they're getting an, a really well-balanced diet that has a lot of phytonutrients so that they're getting lots of different colors, lots of different um, variety in their diet at that time to support the system, you know? So you've already kind of suggested that hydration is really important and not hydration as in drinking water, which is also important, but hydration of like us getting blood flow and circulation down into those organs. What are some other key elements that you would say comes with relieving period pain and those symptoms that maybe we're feeling in that second half of the cycle there? So this is where it's a little bit um, similar for any type of pain, I would say, that we need to look at the whole person. Sleep is huge. Sleep is really, really important. Tuning into your nervous system. Our nervous system is our biggest protector, and that's wonderful. We're so lucky to have this nervous system that's constantly looking out for us and constantly reacting for us without us having to do anything for that to happen. Fantastic. However, just like we can get or posture habits, as an example, if our nervous system has been used to going into that protective response for us because of pain, because of challenges in life, because of trauma, any of those things, then it will be quick to go to that activated state 
even in moments where you don't need that activated state. So first of all, being able to tune in and notice what does it look like in my physiology when my nervous system is activated? And then what can I do to work with the system to reassure it? You know what? I'm actually safe in this moment because your system is going to activate into that stress response when it thinks you're in danger because it wants to protect you. And that's great when we're actually in danger. But when we're not needing that stress response, then the best thing we can do is use tools to reassure our system that we're safe. So what are some of those tools? Things like tuning into our breath, being around people that make us feel loved or comforted, getting out in nature, doing anything that brings us joy, tuning in with awareness, doing mindfulness practices, a body scan so that we reconnect with our body. It's so easy to try to disconnect from our bodies when things don't feel good. So finding ways that feel comforting to reconnect with your body are really, really important and really helpful. Mm -hmm. And then the things we talked about already, the sleep, the nutrition, movement. Movement is key as well. But a lot of times people get fixated thinking, okay, if I can't get to that one hour class at the gym or that one hour yoga class, then, it, then it's not worth it. I'm not doing anything of value. Where what we've really learned over the last several years with the science is that two minutes can make all the difference. So if you can find two minutes to just move your body in a way that feels good, that is enough to change things. And then do that a few times a day. And if people, a lot of people feel, I don't even have two minutes. So what I say is, well, we're on the toilet an average of six times a day. So how about every time you're on the toilet, you use that as an opportunity to tune into your breaths, to just be mindful of what you're feeling in your body in that moment, or this is on my YouTube channel. I have a few movements that we can do while on the toilet to help get things moving. Mm -hmm. So then at least you're sneaking in these six, two to three minutes a day, and then you start a new habit. Right. You know, pain care has always been something that completely fascinates me. Uh -huh. And it intrigued me early in my yoga therapy degree because um, it was one of the first courses that I had to take as part of my yoga therapy was pain care management from a yoga therapy perspective. So it, definitely not as deep as yours. It was like a 25 hour course that we had to do though. or a segment. But the person that was teaching it, one thing that he said that has always stuck with me, which was like my big light bulb moment was that pain isn't necessarily the best reliable source of information. Its yeah. whole purpose is to make us stop and to reflect and then to act. And so he always used the, the, the example of like when you drink a Slurpee way too fast and you get a brain freeze, yeah. your brain is actually not damaged. Like you haven't damaged your brain. It's your body's way of just sending a signal somewhere in the body going, something's happening. This is not cool. Or exactly, maybe it's cool, but it's not good. <laughs> and can you stop? Oh, but not cool. Can you slow down? And it was like so profound for me because I was like, yes, that's exactly what's happening. And some of the tools that we learned as for like yoga therapy, which is going into a lot of what you were saying here with the breath and the nervous system is that when we're in this state of like, we need to freeze because we are in pain and we're, we feel like we cannot do anything is that using that breath and then inviting really small, gentle movements yeah. so that you can retrain the brain to actually see that it's not in harm. Right. So exactly. like, let's say like, and we'll just use the leg. Cause maybe that's the easiest. Like my leg is like in a Charlie horse and I can't move it. Instead it's like, okay, can I take a deep breath in? Just calm the body for a minute, calm the mind. And then with my next inhale, can I just like 
maybe wing out my leg just a little bit, like maybe an inch and then bring it back to center. And can I just do this a few times? So all of a sudden the body's like, wait a minute, she's not doing damage. We don't have to send this back signal up to the head saying you are going to do severe damage if you keep doing what you're doing. And so it's like, oh no, this actually feels okay. And then things calm down. And the reason why I share this is because I think so often when it comes to women who have had a history of menstrual pain or have had a history of endometriosis, they feel like it is all encompassing and they feel like they cannot, this is never going to change. So when that story actually becomes part of your inner dialogue of I've been this way for so many years, I'm never going to feel good again, is that you've already set the stage for your body to not want to feel good next month versus going like, here's a tool. Yes, it is incredibly painful, but I've got a tool. So I've got some empowerment. And now I'm going to just practice using this to see if I can start to calm down that pain response or that signaling up to the brain saying, stop. <laughs> like it's not the brain freeze anymore. Like we're not doing damage. We just got to rewrite exactly. our pain story. You said so much there that I just want to highlight a couple of things. One is that pain is changeable no matter how long it's been there. So even if you have had a painful cycle for every cycle for your, however many years you've been dealing with it, that does not mean it can never be changed. Please hear that. It, it is never, ever, ever too late for us to affect change. What Kate said is very important. Our mindset about it is, is very important because if you are anticipating that it's going to be painful each month, you're already activating your stress response before your cycle has even happened. So of course, you're much more likely to, to turn on all those protective mechanisms for sure. And you're going to stress the body. It's already See, going that, up. Yeah. Your body's already going to stress and tense yeah, up. Exactly. Exactly. Well, your, your breath will change. Your muscles will get more tense. All of it. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And the other thing you said that I want to just um, talk about, because it's so important, you, you said it's not very much. We only did 25 hours of pain care and yoga therapy. In medical schools, the average is nine hours, but they only get nine hours of pain care. It's triple that in vet schools. So when you go to see your doctors and you're frustrated, you know, that maybe they're not understanding your, what you're living I actually have a lot of sympathy also for the doctors because they have not been trained in pain care. So unless you're going to see someone who has taken these extra courses to learn about the pain science, then they don't have the education or the understanding to help you with what you're dealing with. So try not to be too discouraged and keep keep searching to find the right team because there are more and more people out there now who have that, that pain care education behind them. I just think that... We've really been, I don't want to say trained, but we've been kind of fed this idea that pain has to be our story, that suffering always has to be there. Like, even as we get older, we're, you're going to, your body's going to change. It's going to break down. And I think it's really important that mindset plays such a big role in how we shift how we feel in our body. Absolutely. Because it also and, provides the motivation to do things. Yes. And and the, the science shows that it is not true that just because you get older, you are going to suffer more. We used to have the saying, you know, careful not to overdo things because you're going to create wear and tear in your joints, as an example. But now we have, we've switched that phrase to it's actually wear and repair. We actually need to load our joints. We need to load our tissues in order for them to heal and to thrive. 
So they've even done studies, they've done functional MRI on marathon runners before, during, and after a marathon, looking at the cartilage in the knee, because we always thought that runners in particular are creating all this wear and tear in their joints. Their cartilage is actually, actually thicker midway and at the end of the marathon because they've done this healthy load. So exactly what you were saying, we have to change our mindset around some of these old beliefs. We've learned a lot about how pain works um, recently, recently in the last 15 to 20 years, uh, and it changes everything. And, and I want to just highlight one more thing that you said, Kate, um, the whole thing about pain not really telling the proper story. I think of it like a newborn baby who's crying. They're crying, you know something's wrong, but you don't know, are they hungry? Is their diaper wet? Do they just need love? You don't know what the problem is. You just know there's something that needs attention. And that's what our pain system is like. It lets us know something's going on, but it is terrible at telling us what the problem is, where the problem is, or how bad the problem is. So exactly like you said, the key is, okay, it's like my body is my best friend and is trying to give me a message. So let me just stop for a minute enter into conversation and figure out, okay, what do you need from me? And then work with your body and it changes everything. It's so true. And it makes me think of one of the clients that I worked with for really just a short period of time. I think we only worked together for six months. And in that six months, she came to me because she had severe endometriosis and would be in such incredible pain that she could not work during her period. She would end up at hospital often. Mm-hmm. Like, she was, it was just, it was probably one of the worst cases that I'd ever worked with, with endometriosis. And she said that, I think it was after four months of us working together, the most profound thing that changed her pain in her body was her starting to live cyclically in the sense of starting to recognize that she was already starting to get anxiety right after ovulation about the pain that was going to be coming. So for a week, she would live in this anxiousness of, I know this is coming. I know this is coming. And every day wake up and do things to prepare for the pain to arrive. Oh, so it's almost like exactly. before it even came, she was like, I know this is coming. So I'm going to, I'm going to check in this morning to see what I need to do to protect myself. And she said, yeah. even sometimes I'd preemptively take pain medication because I just wanted to avoid it. Okay. So, and so she wasn't in relationship with it. And the other big thing for her was powering through work. Like she felt so guilty in taking time off during a period, but she literally could not work. She was a high school teacher and she's like, I'd have to stand all day. And she was a music teacher. So she's like, and then I have to perform and I have to use my voice. And she was like, it was just so excruciating. And I felt like I couldn't, but then I literally could not move at three o'clock at the end of the day. Cause mm-hmm. I would par- be paralyzed in pain. And so it was beautiful because we worked together during COVID. So she had to be at home a lot of times. And one of the biggest tools that we worked on was giving herself permission to pre-plan a plan for her period days for what her class plan would look like and prepare for herself to call in a sub and give herself guilt-free permission to call in the sub. And just the act of having a lesson plan already created created so much mental ease that in four months, she had her first period-free pain that she had experienced in probably 15 years. Oh, that's fantastic. But it was the simple things. Like it was, it was yeah. not like it was, and I'm sure like the yoga and everything else kind of helped, but it really mm-hmm. for her, what, what stood out for her was the mindset of, I know this is coming. This has been my pattern. Now that I understand it, I'm coming into relationship of just really checking in with my calendar of this is why I'm feeling this way. Now, what can I do to care for myself? So that way I can't have ease or have permission just not do anything because I'm in pain. 
And I think that permission is so key. That's fabulous that you helped her through that. You know, we, we talked a moment ago about how when we get pain, it's a message from our body. Our body's trying to let us know something's going on. You need to pause, tune in. So if one of those messages is that I'm not able to do my day-to-day things, whatever those things might be, rather than fighting that, rather than feeling like you have to push through it, trust that your body has your best interest. It absolutely does. And I would say 100% of the time, it knows better than your mind does. <laughs> so just trust it. Listen to it. If, if you're feeling in a way that means it's so difficult to do your day-to-day stuff, don't do your day-to-day stuff. <laughs> Give yourself that permission with zero guilt. Actually applaud the courage it takes to, to honor that. And then enjoy what you get from doing that, you know, enjoy what comes out of that because something will shift as a result, which this person was lucky enough to see. I think it's really important to also note that what we are also seeing sometimes, I think when it comes to menstrual pain and with, I think with any pain, actually, let's just put a blanket statement for all chronic pain is that we know it's coming and we choose to ignore it because we're like, no, we're just going to push through it. Cause yeah. maybe that's a learned behavior or whatever, but the more that we ignore it and the more that we push through it, the stronger the pain signals become. So that, that Goldilocks, that perfect time or that where we would normally know that we're doing damage to the body the, that keeps moving, that line keeps moving. And so when we ignore our pain, our body's like, Hey, you're not being my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am going to rebel and I'm going to make it even worse for you now until you start listening to me. Exactly. And it's, I don't think it's that it's trying to rebel. It's trying to be your friend. It's trying to be your protector. Yeah. And it's giving you a warning. You're not hearing the warning. So it interprets that as, oh, shoot, Kate didn't get the message. I need to make it bigger, louder, and stronger so she can't ignore it. And that's when we get increase in symptoms. Could be more pain, could be more anxiety, more inflammation, you know, could be anything on the spectrum um, because our system is brilliantly trying to stop us in our tracks. And that's literally what happens to some people. Sometimes it will be to the point where, you know, their back will, I'm going to put it in air quotes, lock, uh, because that was the only way the body could get your attention when you, to literally not allow you to move anymore. <laughs> yeah. But we will get so much more out of it. If we can, we call it listening to the whispers before you hear the screams. Your body would have been whispering to you a lot before it got to that level. And if you learn how to turn in, tune into those whispers, then it's never going to scream at you because you're working with it. You're paying attention and you're doing, you're taking the actions that need to be taken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now so I make that sound a bit easier than it is. There's a lot of trial and error to figure out, okay, what actions are needed when I feel like this compared to when I feel like this? And that's not a one-size-fits-all answer, but usually the, the, the tools that you would choose from are the things we talked about. Breath, mindfulness, awareness, movement that feels good, doing things that bring you joy, getting out in nature. If you play around with those different things, there are more as well, but I'm just, I don't want to give you too much all at once um, and start to take notice. Okay. Well, when I feel like this, it, I do better when I reach for these tools, but when I feel like this, I do better when I reach for those tools and you'll start to see those patterns. And if you're wrong, then you just pick a different tool. You know, if that wasn't the right tool for you that day, that's okay. That's, you can learn from that. So learn from that so that the next time you make a different choice rather than getting mad at yourself for, oh, I tried and it didn't work. And I think that's a problem that we're really facing too when we're working with 
any kind of pain or any kind of health concern is that this is a new, what, what I'm proposing and what we're both proposing is that we come into relationship in our body in a way we have not been taught. And when you learn anything new, it's hard. (laughs) When you learn anything new, it feels like work, but the reward is so much more. And we, we, we live in a system right now. Our medical system is really defined on fixing immediately, which really is just putting a bandaid on it. And it's not actually giving us tools to feel empowered. And at least that's what I felt on my journey was that so often when I would go to seek help, I wasn't really heard. And I was just given a quick solution that was because of my symptom, but didn't give me the tools to actually heal. And I really want to heal. It's a great point. If we mask the symptoms too much, then we're not able to get into communication, into relationship with them, like you said. But that's exactly true. What you're saying is that that's how our medical system is set up is to to fix the the, the pain. That's what. Yeah. So we're tr- it's, it's still it's shifting, but slowly. It's still about trying to find the magic bullet of getting that pain down, which everybody wants when they're in pain, and I understand that. But what you and I are trying to say is. If you can understand that the pain is not working against you, it's actually your body trying to work with you, trying to like take your hand and and work together as dance partners in this, you will get so much more out of it and you'll you'll end up figuring out the source of the issue rather than just putting that band-aid on. And you will have such huge changes that will ripple through every area of your life. Exactly. For me, you know, pushing through my corporate job that I was doing where I was highly stressed, I had fertility issues. I could have just had body parts removed, which was what was recommended to me. Just Mm. remove fallopian tubes and we'll just do IVF. You'll have one baby. You should be happy with that. Move on with life kind of attitude. Instead, I chose the harder path, which was, no, I'm going to try a bunch of therapies I do not understand and hope that my body responds and I'm going to quit my job (laughs) and I'm going to rediscover myself. And in doing so, it has not only allowed me to have three babies naturally, but it taught me the inner power that I could have to also move through three complicated pregnancies where I was told that I should be on bed rest. I Mm. probably should have never had my midwife, but my midwife knew my determination, knew how well I was in a relationship with my body. So kept me on had my babies with a midwife, was able to navigate one preterm delivery to having a thriving baby who was released at hospital before she was 33 weeks old, which is, if you don't know, is unheard of in this world. You do not get released that early from a hospital. To now living my passion, having pain-free periods, living cyclically in a way that actually inspires me. Like my cycle, I love telling people where I'm at in my cycle all the time. Because <laughs> for me, Great. it's curiosity. For me, it's yeah. inspiration. For me, this is like, this is part of my body talking to me. I'm This is me and my friend. We're both coming to tea to have tea with you. It's not just me yeah. coming to have tea. Yeah. Me and my cycle are both yeah. coming and you're going to hear all about I what love it. <laughs> and, and that curiosity piece to me is one of the things that I've seen is one of the most important pieces in all this. And I say all of this, any, any pain issue, it's so easy to be in fear when there's pain, especially pain that persists. But if you can switch that and be really curious. 
so that every time you have a new sensation, instead of saying, oh my God, what's happening now? Do I have a new injury? Do I have a new illness? Do I have a new issue I need to get an MRI for? Instead, be really curious about exploring, okay, my body's giving me a different signal today. This is a new one. Hmm. I wonder what this one means. And then it can actually be kind of I don't, I'm not trying to belittle anybody, please. I live in chronic pain myself. I, I, but it can be a little bit fun to sort of try to figure out, okay, oh, this is what it's talking about. Well, that's kind of cool. You know, like it actually can be an, an interesting process to engage in. And then it's so empowering because you're a part of the process rather than just being at the mercy of what you're feeling. You now become an active participant in changing what you're feeling. You don't only have to rely on your osteopath, your doctor, your yoga therapist, which it's wonderful to have all of us as a support system for sure. But you're only with us for maybe an hour, maybe what, once a week, once a month. You're in your own body 24-7. So if you can have the tools to work with it all day, every day, think of how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it gives us compassion, right? So that way, because I know for myself, even though I've done all this stuff and I know my body is powerful, I know it can heal. I know it can self-regulate. When I do have pain, when something comes up, it is like this built-in system in me that goes, oh my God, what's going to like, what's going to blow up because of this pain now? Like, yeah. Are you going to have this condition? Are you going to, whatever the case might be, like whatever story you want to attach to that pain, Yeah, that fear creeps in and it creeps in quite quickly. It's almost like it, it comes before the inhale comes after the pain. Nice. <laughs> it, it's so there. Yeah. But the thing that's different is because I've done this work and I've been curious and I've gotten into relationship and I know the power my body holds is that it doesn't stay very long. I may be awesome. in that little bit of a fear party for five minutes but then all of a sudden there's this awakening of going, okay, you know, the steps, yes, <laughs> you know, I know what better. You, <laughs> you come out of it quite quickly. So it's not that it's like you do this and there's never going to be fear for me. Fear is no, always of course. Be part of my buildup. Fear is part of my buildup, but it's part of being human. Yeah. Right. It's like we're but we then fear I also, the unknown, right? Yeah. But then I also know that curiosity is a lot more fun. It's kind of like that little muse that comes out of going, okay, exactly. we have a little pity party now, but now I'm curious, what can I do differently or how, yeah. what, the, what might be the story here? Exactly. It's, it's, it makes living so much in my mind, it makes living so much more fun, right? Because rather than being in this state of I'm broken, I'm always, okay, we're on a new journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're on a new journey. What's, where is it going to take me this time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it makes sense on your end, Kate, this is a great place to talk about dare because you actually already brought it in. It looks like you're using dare already. So if, if you'd like, I can dive into that. Well, this was the next question was, tell us more about the dare program. What is and, it all and about? And I'll, I'll start by saying you introduced at the beginning that I healed my pain. I didn't heal my pain. I still live with chronic pain, but I think that's an important thing for people to understand. There was a point where I was only surviving my pain. And I wasn't living my life anymore. And even though my pain has not changed too much, I still live with a high level of pain, but I'm a functional human being. I'm a, 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 a successful professional. I have a, 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 an osteopathy practice. I have an online business. I, I go out and I teach and I lecture and I'm able to laugh and, and do some things that I love to do. So for some people that you... Pain is going to be a part of your life and, and that's okay. That's what we're trying to say is that there's a way to work with the pain that can give you a functional, happy life. 
Mm-hmm. And now for some of you, I know you're going to hate hearing that and you just want to know that you're going to get rid of your pain and maybe you will, but you need to know that even if you don't, you can still have a joyful, full life. That's what I, that's what I want to get across. Mm-hmm. So dare. <laughs> okay. So this dare. is, this is the approach that, that I use for myself and I use in my, my pain care program. So it's an, ac- an acronym. So D stands for dialogue. So just like you and I have been talking about Kate, step one is to enter into dialogue with your own body. And for me, it was my very first day of osteopathy. It was one of the first things that we learned. So I had been an athletic therapist before studying osteopathy. And in athletic therapy, it was a little bit more look for what the problem is and then try to do a solution, do a technique that's going to create a solution, you know? So that that was my go-to. But in osteopathy, our very first day, they said, hold off, pause. When you first place your hands on someone, don't do anything receive, enter into dialogue with the tissue. What does their body want or need from you today instead of imposing what I think you need today? And that's what we need to do with ourselves. The English language makes it sound like it's different things, you, your body, your mind, but it's really all one. So as I say all these terms, please know that it's all just you. So Mm -hmm. step one is dialogue, enter into conversation with your own body. Step two is acknowledge what you find with awareness. And acknowledging it with awareness means that you're not trying to change anything. That even if what you see comes up is something that you don't like, in this moment, you're just acknowledging that it's there. No judgment, lots of kindness and self-compassion. That's it. The R of dare is now you respond to what you found by regulating certain things. Things like the breath. So... We know that we're getting pulled into an activated stress response if our breath gets shallow, quick, jagged, those kinds of things. So if you are in dialogue and you notice that your breath is like that, at first just notice. And then when you feel ready, you try to regulate it. Can you make it a little softer, a little slower, a little more easeful? We also want to check in with our body tension. That's another way that will be like a a clue that we're going into an activated response. Parts of the body um, contracting that are not serving you in this moment. So you can do like an informal body scan periodically and see, am I clenching my jaw? Am I frowning? Are my hands balled into fists? Am I squeezing the anus, my solar plexus? Like it could be anywhere. You acknowledge it, you notice it, and then you see, can you respond by regulating it? Meaning, can I just soften those areas that are not necessary right now? So Uh, Then we want to look at thoughts and emotions. So the stories that you were just talking about, Kate, are so powerful and they're going to be there. If you are someone who's been in pain a long time, of course, there's going to be an association between your pain and what you've lived in the past. So if your mind creates this story that, oh my God, the last time I felt this pain, I couldn't work for six months. I had to get people to do my groceries and I had to rely on it and on and on. You acknowledge it. You know that it's there and you say, okay, I hear you. And I understand why you're feeling like that, but you then offer a different story because now we have all these tools. So you can say, okay, I understand that you're feeling this way, but now we've got dare to help us. We've got all these different tools and let's, let's change the story. And the the research shows that even if you don't yet believe the new story, offering a story of compassion, gratitude, positivity, joy is enough to shift that physiology out of that activated response. So we checked in with breath, body tension, thoughts and emotions. The last thing to check in with is your nervous system state. And Kate, maybe we could do a whole other episode just on that because that's that's too, too much to dive into here. 
I'll just yes. say in a nutshell that the breath, the body tension, and the thoughts and emotions are an indication of what nervous system state you're in. So if you're already regulating those three things, you are essentially regulating your nervous system. So we dialogued, we acknowledged with awareness, we regulated what we found. And then the last one is enjoy exploring your edge. And you talked about this already too, Kate. I put enjoy in there because these tools, if you're going into them, using them as though it's another job, a chore, another thing on your to-do list, it again activates our stress response and we're not going to get the results that we want. So you want to find a way that you kind of look forward to doing these things, you know? So if you don't love the breath, then don't start with the breath. Start with something that you enjoy doing, that you look forward to putting on your plate that day. So enjoy exploring your edge. And the edge is enjoying exploring the edge of sensation. So we typically have one of two strategies. Either we want to never ever go anywhere near something that doesn't feel good. So we don't move our bodies that bring us into that place of discomfort. The problem with that is we'll never get better at what we never try, right? So you, you want to go and kind of, we call it flirting with the edge. You want to bring yourself to that place where it maybe doesn't feel so great while you're doing the rest of DARE, you're dialoguing, acknowledging with awareness, responding and regulating what comes up. And then you back off, let it, let it go, let it ease off a bit and then come back again and ease off. And you do this dance. And I think of it like pulling taffy, you know, you can't get taffy to stretch out all in one motion. You have to work it. You have to knead it little bit by little bit. And as you get it more pliable, you can make it bigger and longer and, and, and more um, free. Similar with when we're exploring movement. It might hurt at first because our body's used to it hurting. So it's going to protect us. But if you go and gently nudge it and come back and go again and come back as you're doing the rest of DARE, you'll see that over time you can do more before it triggers that protective response. Right. And the more you do, the more your life opens up and the more your life opens up, the less um, importance pain has. And mm. that, and then things really start to shift. So mm. that's dare in a nutshell. And I totally could see how dare would work with menstrual pain yes. and endometriosis. Cause like I said, when you've lived with painful periods for a long period of time, you're already creating the story before the pain comes. Exactly. So days before your period, you've already decided, okay, I'm bringing out that book and we're rereading it again. Yes. <laughs> and so I can see how DARE would be so beneficial in helping us to have this tool to prep the body. So that way we are not, we're not going to relive this last month cycle. We're going to have a new experience. And that's just. It's about becoming like the author of your own story, as opposed to being a character that somebody else is writing for you, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes, for sure. So this D.A.R.E. program, obviously this is the method behind it. Now, do you offer this in a container where people can get videos and practice and learn? Yes. Exactly. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I really am. It's a, it's a 10 week online program. And as, so all the things we talked about are in there, breath practices, pain care, education, mindfulness practices, uh, vagal tone practices, movement practices, some journaling prompts, some curiosity prompts as well. Uh, so all of that's in there. And I take you through week by week, we kind of build on what we've learned along the way. We meet live every week so that if you have questions or concerns, we can go through it together. There's that sense of community. And it's the, the most fun part for me is to see the moment when people shift from that place of fear to that place of curiosity. And it's 
uncanny that once that shift happens, it just like, I, I don't even have the words to describe the change in people. And again, for some people, it means that their pain disappears or their pain intensity really decreases. For some people, their pain doesn't change at all, but their relationship to their pain completely changes and then their life changes. So I, I hope people here to not be discouraged. Intensity of pain is one factor, but you want to look at your whole life. How are your moods? How is your quality of sleep? How are you relating to the people in your life? Are you able to get out and be social and have fun? Like those things can be even more important than that pain intensity. And, and in a perfect world, it all changes. <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to sit here and promise that every single person who takes my program is going to be pain-free. No, I can't say that. If, if somebody says that to you, they're, they're not being truthful because pain is too complex to be able to make a, a bold statement like that. But what I can promise you is that if you engage with this practice, it will change. How it will change is different for you than it is for everyone, but I do, I can promise that you will see a change. It's so funny because I don't, I don't have chronic pain and I don't have period pain, but a part of me is like, I kind of want to take this course for emotional pain. Well, <laughs> I so, like, and, and a lot of people so have actually, Kate, I have some people who have taken it just because they had anxiety. I have some people who took it because they had PTSD. I have some teachers who have taken it because they just want to learn how to relate better to those who have pain. But this is the thing that I, I kind of get excited about. I think the best time to take it is when you don't have any pain because mm-hmm. it's like waiting for an earthquake to go and get your supplies of water and food and all that. There's nothing left in the stores when the earthquake is there and it's hard to get to the store. When you're in pain, yes, of course, come and use this as a tool. But if you're not in pain, build these tools, like store them up in your system so that if you ever end up in pain, and let's be honest, most of us do, it's part of life, then you're already armed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It is much easier to implement the tools if you learn them in a state that was easier. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So it is designed for people in pain, but I've had quite a few people who are not in pain and they've gotten a lot out of it just because like you say, it just helps to learn how to manage life better when you learn how to relate to your own body better. Yes. That's exactly it to relate to my own body. So I love this. Oh my gosh. I am definainly going to check out your dare program. Wonderful. Um, So I always like to end these calls with a tip that I ask our guests to always give. So this week I'm asking, is there a tip that you would like to offer to our listeners on how they can live a womb led life? Something simple for them to do this week. I'm going to be repeating myself a bit here because it's something that we've talked about a bit, but I think it's so important. It is to trust that your body is acting as your best friend. And so rather than trying to fight it, rather than trying to ignore it or bully it, pause, become in relationship with it. I think of it as being like a dance partner and let your system lead you because it has this innate wisdom. It has your best interest at heart. And if you can learn to partner with your own self, it really, to me, is the key. And then whatever tools you use are just like they're icing on the cake, you know? The yeah. tools will come when you, because you're going to understand what your body's asking of you. I love it. That's so good. For anybody who is listening and is like, I need to know more about what she does. She has such an amazing Instagram. I highly recommend checking out Colleen's Instagram. It's, it's underscore 
Stillness in Motion. She also has uh, a Facebook page, Stillness in Motion with Colleen. And then she has a YouTube channel, um, Colleen Jorgensen, Stillness in Motion. These will all be added at the bottom in the show notes, all these, so you guys don't have to worry about like jotting these down really quickly. Also has a free bundle of pain care tools that you can go and get today. I'll add that in the comments as well. And then of course, I will definitely add her Dare to Heal program because that is an amazing one that you may want to check out. And if you're looking to become somebody who is trained or wants to coach in pain care, she also has her pain care aware teacher training. So that will also be added down below in the show notes. So these are all the ways that you can reach out and check out her program. She has, like I said, the Dare to Dare to Pain. Dare to Heal. Dare to Heal. You got it. (laughs) Of course. But then she also has a lot of other little offers there. So check it out, especially if you're somebody who's living in pain because we got to stop this menstrual. Well, not stop. We don't have to stop the menstrual pain. We have to come into relationship with this come menstrual into pain. It, learn to work with it and let's change yeah. it. We'll change it. So that way it's no longer making you feel like you hate your uterus. And maybe just before we leave, because this just popped into my head as I'm, yep. I'm ready to exit here, is for anybody who is in this period right now where they're being coached or suggested to have a hysterectomy because of your pain, before you jump on that ship, maybe just check this out because there is a lot of benefit of us keeping our uterus. And I totally understand and I can relate to that need of just feeling like it'd just be easier. But know that I think I read this in um, the Hormone Intelligence book where she said that a lot of people who remove their uteruses for pain still end up having the pain symptoms once the uterus is gone. So the memory doesn't disappear. So just know that this is a tool. The DARE program is a tool that you can use. So that way, maybe maybe this doesn't have to be something that you do. Exactly. And, and for some people, Kate, you do something like the DARE program and you may not need the surgery. For other people, you may still need the surgery, but you will recover much better because the, sur- the, the, the endometriosis pain is not just about the endometriosis. It really isn't. There's a whole everything we've talked about today. So just by removing that one piece, it may give some relief, but there's still all the other stuff that we need to address. So absolutely, whether you end up still choosing to have surgery or not, I still highly recommend, whether it's my program or somebody else's, to do something that addresses pain on all these different levels, for sure. Yes, Yes. it's beautiful. Thank you so much, Colleen, for being here. I loved this conversation and we'll definitely have you back to talk about nervous system regulation because yes, I'd love to do that. That's so important. It's so important. So let's jump back on and have another conversation on that on a later date. For way too long as women, we have been guided to hate our menstrual cycle and to curse our hormones. We have lost the art of seeing the inner power of being cyclical. So If this podcast is inspiring you and waking up a new curiosity of how your cycle can be your superpower, I invite you to check out the She Sisterhood. This is a monthly membership that will align you to your unique rhythm through aligned womb yoga practices, cycle coaching on how to weave your cycle wisdom into everyday life, and to be part of a community of women that are awakening to their inner power. Remember... Womb wisdom equals connection to self, which ultimately equals inspired living. And if you love this episode, don't forget to rate and review. 
I love seeing how this information is transforming your life.